interesting I get to speak on Grandparents Day because I'm a grandparent and I'm the only grandparent on our pastoral team and so I feel like this is my little sweet spot and so to all the other grandparents as well as the parents and everybody else who's here we want to give you a special welcome. But I just want to say that today's not just about biological grandparents. I like to think about the grandparent generation and we as a church family really value family um, I was a migrant. When I was three, my family came out here, so I didn't really know my grandparents, but I had all of these adopted uncles and aunts and grandparents who filled that role. And so we want to honour the grandparent generation in our church and in our community today as they are a positive influence on the young people growing up in a, let's face it, an ever-challenging society in which we live in. Um, for those of us who have grandchildren... Um, it's hard to describe the special bond that we have with our grandchildren. And you know what, as much as we love our children, there's something special about our grandchildren. And I wouldn't be a card-carrying grandparent unless I showed you the picture of my three grandchildren. Isn't that a bit tacky, I know? But there we are, there's Annette and myself and my three beautiful grandchildren as well, Allegra, Elijah and Sienna. This morning I want to speak about something um, that is good news about a challenge that we face in every generation, but particularly in the grandparent generation, um, this is a particular issue for us as well. And I want to start by reading what I think is a very encouraging part of the scripture, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. And um, in this passage, you'll see that it mentions everybody, but I think there's some special hints about grandparents in it as well. It says this, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, or his understanding no one can fathom. And this is where I think us grandparents get a special mention. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And even though it applies to everybody, even the youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. As we get older, we're more aware of stumbling and falling. So even the young people, but us in particular... But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And today I want to talk about the strength and the encouragement that we can get from our relationship with God um, in every stage of life, but particularly in the older stages of life as well as grandparents. I want to start back early and I'll get to grandparents but um, many years ago when I was a young teacher working for Education Queensland um, I worked for a number of years in human relationships education which was a very interesting area of education particularly in the 80s and um, one of the things that came through was an emphasis for young people growing up of the importance of self-esteem or what I'd prefer to say self-concept. The way that young people saw each other had a marked impact on the way that they would act and the things that they would do and what their life was like. 
And I think the reason why it stuck in my head as something that was very important was I thought about my own growing up teenage years um, as a, a young boy growing up in the suburb of Inala, housing commission area. Um, my mum was widowed and um, there was lots of us kids. But I thought particularly about my growing up years, how so many people tried to give me a view of myself that would have been hurtful and negative and damaging. Let me just give you a few examples. And um, I'm sure things change over time, but this is how it was in my day. Um, we were told um, that nothing good could come out of a Nala. I remember being told when I was old enough to start applying for jobs that it would be best not to tell them where I lived because that would go against me getting a job. It was a bit of a, a moot point at school, but we were actually banned from all excursions. We weren't allowed out of the school um, because we were told that we couldn't be um, um, trusted to behave, that we would give the school a bad name. We did play a bit of sport. I can remember one of our, our, our um, sports competitions was against the police academy. <laughs> I don't know how it works, you know, but we used to play against them. And can I tell you, sorry, this is my Anala prejudice coming through. It was the police academy who got all their gear stolen, not us. The, the police academy um, had to borrow our stuff because they couldn't look after their own. But anyway. Um, <laughs> We, we weren't allowed to have speech nights or formals or anything like that. But I reckon that the most saddest thing was the end of grade 10. In the end of grade 10, we were about to graduate. I can remember um, some of the kinder teachers said, oh, why don't you bring some food in? We can have a little bit of a party. This will be your last day of grade 10. And so we're sitting in our classrooms, um, not in normal lessons. And an announcement came over the radio, um, over the speaker system. Could all the grade 10s with their bags report outside the principal's office, which was a, a bitumen area just next to the front gate? And so we said, oh, what's this about? So we all got our bags and all of the grade 10s lined up. And the principal got up and he told us this. He said, now this is your last day at Anala High School in grade 10. And after this day, you are not to come back onto this property. And in fact, I'm ordering you off the property now. Teachers, push them off. And if anybody comes back onto the property today, I'll phone the police. And so we all got pushed out the gate. A couple of those kind teachers um, brought our food down to a local park. So that was kind of nice. But can you see how when you grow up in an atmosphere where you're wondering about who am I, what's my identity, and you get told all these negative things, it's so easy to start believing those things. And you don't feel very good anyway because of your circumstances. And it's true to say that many of the kids that I grew up in had difficult lives and got into trouble in all sorts of ways. And I think because of the way that they saw themselves and the way people helped them to see themselves wasn't very helpful. And then I think with thankfulness in my heart, why was it that my journey was a bit different? And some people will say, well, because I went on and I, I moved on with education and um, I went much further in schooling than um, any of my family or my community areas probably did. Um, but I think the biggest change in my life as a teenager was that I found the reality of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And my identity was not governed by what other people told me or even by what I thought myself, but my identity was governed with my, through my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and it made such a difference in my life. But, you know, as much as we might go, yes, I can see how that works with young people, I was thinking this week that our self-image or our self-concept is also just as much at risk when we get into the grandparent generation. Whether it's through what we think or what we sense the community says or what people actually say to us. When we become into that generation, um, we start to physically decline. And sometimes it can be a bit frustrating that we can't always do the things that we used to do. Um, there's a bit of a mental decline as well. Um, I can't remember as many names as I used to remember. Um, for some of us, we forget things that we need to do. And sometimes it can be a bit of frustrating in our own personality that the way we once were was not the way it was. There's, there's vocational decline. You know, many people here would have had jobs where they had significant roles, um, even leadership roles, but once you get to a certain age, sometimes it starts to feel like, oh, well, you can't do that anymore. You're a retired person. Um, you're not as um, involved in the workplace. And even in church, it can be a bit like that. For older people in church, in our heyday, years ago, we were such key leaders and we did this and we did that and somehow or other, um, we can't do all those things anymore. Or people don't seem to appreciate all of the good suggestions that we make. This is how we used to do it all those years ago. And um, there's financial decline too. Um, when you get to the grandparent generation, for many of us, we have to count our pennies because the income coming in is not what it used to be. The outcome still wants to be what it used to be. And so there is a whole lot of things. And if we're not careful, as the grandparent generation, we too can feel very negative about who we are. But the good news today that I've come to share is this. That that negative concept might be something that we might feel and we might experience, but we don't need to have it because we have a positive concept of ourselves when we see ourselves as God sees us. And I want to just say this, I'll probably say this a couple of times, it's the takeaway line. When God looks at you and me, whether we're a young person or an older person, he looks at us as somebody who he sees who is lovable, and he looks at us as somebody who he sees is capable. And this morning, the most good news I can bring you is this, that in terms of our relationship with God, as we follow God, he wants us to be transformed by seeing ourselves as he sees us. The New Testament makes it very clear that every one of us, whether we are followers of Jesus or even if we are not yet followers of Jesus, he sees the potential in us. He says this in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Um, we're loved by God, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. 
The Bible is full of good news for us as we move forward because of how God sees who we are. And the Bible tells us that we are a, a new creation, that God is in the business of transforming us. And in the midst of even sadness or frustration or decline, we can cling on to God because he promises that he will continue to do the work that he has begun in us. The interesting thing as we've studied the book of Ephesians in our church is that it talks so much about the importance of knowing who we are in Christ. Um, the book of Ephesians tells us that we are adopted into Christ as his sons and his daughters. It also tells us that being in Christ, we are part of his family, a multi-generation family from the youngest person to the oldest person. But in Christ, we are to encourage one another to go on and to serve God because God sees us as being both lovable and capable. And I believe that if we can catch hold of that in reality in our lives, it continues to transform us every day of our life because we are there to not only understand how God sees us but to encourage one another and to build each other up in this. So let me just talk for a couple of minutes about what the Bible says about this idea that we are um, who we are in Christ. Um, we learned in the book of Ephesians a few weeks ago not only do we inherit great blessings from God, but we are actually God's inheritance, that we are of great worth and great value to God, that we are um, his objects of his love. How do you understand what it means to be an object of God's love? Well, think about it like this. In my working life, both in education and in ministry and working with community people, I've met my fair share of very strong leaders, very um, hard-nosed people who, who can really intimidate the people who they work with. And you think to yourself, boy, that's a hard person. You know, they're so strong and whatever. Except there's a, a, a glimpse of those people that I've seen occasionally where it's totally different. And that is that the, regardless of how strong-minded that person is, when you see them with their grandchildren, they soften right up, don't they? Why? Because grandchildren are an object of grandparents' love. And so whilst an employee or a fellow worker would never say something, grandkids come into the presence of their grandparents without any fear or any concern and they will ask whatever they want. Um, yes, um, in my case, um, it might be treats or um, it might be, can we do this? Can we do that? Um, and it's a different thing when the one who asks is the object of the love of the grandparents. And can I say to you that God sees us as the object of his love? Um, and this is not just a, a last-minute idea. This is something that goes from the beginning to the end of creation, in the beginning of creation, God created every one of us, you and I, to be God's children. Um, Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 tells us that God walked in the garden with man in the cool of the evening to have relationship and fellowship with him. Genesis 1.27 tells us that when God decided to create man, he decided to create man in the image of God so that he could have a relationship with him. 
God wants us to be in a relationship with him. And even though, as in human life, things can come in the way of our relationship with God, um, sin has separated man from God. God has continued to love every one of us unabated down through time. And God loved us so much that even though we chose to move away from him, he, he had a rescue plan so that we might come to know him. And, and, and God's love is defined by what God has done for you and for me so that we might be reconnected into relationship with him. Probably easiest to explain with some key verses of scripture. Expression of God's love is found in John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that he offered the most that he had in his own son to die for us. We've been studying the book of Ephesians and in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 we read it's for by grace, undeserved favour, uh, at working of God's love that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not, not by work so that anyone, no one can boast. The incomparable love of God is something that is real. We might choose to block it out of our way of thinking, but God continues to love us. And um, in Romans, Paul said, very rarely would anybody die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. We were still sinners. Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing to be the recipient of a love like that? And, and, and how does that transform us when we know that we are genuinely loved? But the Bible goes on and says more. It's not only that we are loved, but we are also capable because God chooses to work out his purposes in this world, not through any external means, which we would think he would do because it would be much easier, but he chooses to work out his purposes through his people, through you and I. And so we see that um, in terms of coming to God, that God places within us his Holy Spirit. Not that we have to strive to do God's will, but God empowers and equips us to do his will through the work of his Holy Spirit within us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and glory of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? You know, the idea that God would choose to use us is important. And we have a human idea of usefulness and sometimes it discriminates against the very young and the very old. But God doesn't have any sort of discrimination like that. God actually says that why I give you breath, then you are here and I can work through you and be a blessing. Sure, there are different stages of life and we have different things to give. But as Cass has already said this morning, we love the grandparent generation in our church because the grandparent generation has got so much to give to those who follow in love, in example, in prayer, in humility, in, in, in being a family. 
And coming to this church, one of the greatest blessings for me has been to mix with all the generations together. We don't have like a kids' department and a young people's department and a married families with young children's department and an older department. We have special things for special needs, that's true, but, but we love the idea of the families mixing together. And this is the very thing that God has said, that when we realise how he sees us, he doesn't want us just to sit there and say, well, thank you, God, I'll take whatever I can from you. He says, no, I want to use you to be my light, to be my salt, to be my people in a world that desperately needs to be encouraged to know the reality of what life's about. And because of that, we can read with refreshed enthusiasm sections like 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, where it says, The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it, was, it is with Christ, for we were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jew, Greek, slave or free, um, or, and we were all given one spirit to drink. And that's regardless of age or gender or any of those other things as well. God has a special part for us to play. So today as we come together in Grandparents Day, we're celebrating family, the family that God's given us here at this time. But we're also sharing the good news that if you start to feel unloved, if you start to feel um, unuseful, um, unworthy, then that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that in this life, while we have breath, that God wants us to be his person, receive his love, serve him faithfully. And then when our final breath comes, to be with him in heaven and to continue to celebrate that relationship of being with him in Christ. You know, Ephesians, which we've been studying, verses 8 and 9 talked about by grace are we saved. But the very next verse says this, um, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so this morning as we round up, I'd like to just ask you or challenge you to think about this question. Who are you? What's your identity? How do you see yourself? And do you see yourself as God sees you? as both lovable and capable. Because that's how God wants to see us to see ourselves, through his eyes. What I want to do as we finish, um, I'll invite the band to come up. I want to read that passage that I read at the beginning of my message, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. And I want us to take a moment to stop and to think and to hear these words. I think God is speaking this truth into all of us. It's a promise that all of us can take hold of this day as we progress on into um, the rest of what Grandparents' Day might have for us. But I want God to do a work in us. For some of us, we are bound up by other people's expectations or what, how we think about ourselves. And we need to be freed to think of ourselves as God sees us. So I'm going to read this passage and then the band is going to lead us in a song which is, again, this passage put to music to allow God to just speak into our hearts as we sing and reflect on these words that we might find our hope in the Lord. So let me read. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. 
the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. May we leave this place today with a a, a renewed step, an energised step, thinking not about we might think about ourselves, but by how God does. Amen.